On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Marillion's Afraid of Sunlight. Hi, welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this episode, I'm once again joined by my very, very good friends, Tom Corcoran, Paul Zotter, and Ken Gregory. In this episode, which is a pleasure to uh, publish for you, um, since it is one without all of the terrible echo from the last two episodes, so we're very excited about that. But on this episode, we start out, and Tom catches us up on some extra thoughts he had on um, the first three um, Marillion Hogarth albums, and then we launch into a an in-depth discussion of Afraid of Sunlight. So we hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you on the other side. Well, kids, I actually did my homework this week. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> wow. I'm, 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 I'm late for class still, but I, I did my homework. Um, I, hmm. I listened to Brave. I listened to Afraid of Sunlight. I went on a complete fish binge and, and lost my mind. Um, oh, I think so, you did. Uh, real real wow. quick, um, Afraid of Sunlight, I've always loved. Um, that, that was definitely one of the, the, the greats. With the exception of the, of the last song, they kind of kind of lose me on the last song. But uh, why does um, everyone bag on King? I don't get it. it, it, yeah. it you know, they, they just sort yeah. of lose a little bit of energy. But I mean, I mean, it's kind of it, contrived. If, if, yeah, for Marillion, if you're only if you only lost yourself, if if you've only lost it at the last song, I think you're in good shape. So uh, <laughs> that 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 that's <laughs> um, and you know. My my thought on Afraid of Sunlight is, is this: I think that um, uh, the for the first four albums with Hogarth, Afraid of Sunlight is the first album that really um, came that, that that really gave us the sound of Marillion that we have now. Now I know that we all love you know, or you guys all love Brave, and we all um, have high lows with. Uh, you know, seasons and 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 holidays, but um, seasons is is a different sort of Marillion sound. It's actually one of my favorites. I know I didn't get the chance to talk about that, uh, but it is a different sort of Hogarth sound. It almost has its own place in the Hogarth Marillion world um, because you know it was our first album, whatnot. So um, you know, obviously, holidays has its own sort of commercial sound. It's not quite the Marillion that we know. Um, Brave, you could give an argument that that is sort of what we have now, um, but it, um, it to me it, it's just it's just not consistent. But I I think that this is the first album, uh, the the fourth album is the first album that we have the 
same sort of Merillion sound that we have now. Um, it's like you can sort of piece it in, you can put, kind of put it over any of the other albums and say, okay, this is Merillion. And that was sort of like, I, th I think it took them, um, you know, uh, four, four albums to get there. I want to say one thing about Brave, and that is, um, I, you know, the first song is great, and, uh, you know, Made Again is great. I mean, there are some moments, I'm not going to trash it. Uh, but I, I just want to say, um, the other day when we were when, when we were talking, um, I I mentioned that you know Brave should have been made about you know ten years later, and I, I think it, they kind of owed it to them, they they owed it to themselves that to have a more mature uh, sound uh, and more uh, mature musical uh, side to them. Uh, and I think it would have been better. And I realized they did, and that was in the form of Marbles. Uh, and I, I think that um, Brave, you know, Marbles is brave, but just without all the problems. Uh, now, you guys don't give me your problems. I know you guys don't don't think they're problems. Uh, but I, I think that Marbles is, you know, I know we're not talking about Marbles now, but I think it's phenomenal. And I think that is the mature version of Brave. Um, so that's... I, listen, we have to tie these together a little bit somehow. We can't talk about like just these albums. So I'm sorry I had to talk about Marvels a little bit. But um, I, I do hey, Tom, think that. What's that? Did did so? You, I know the last session at the end you were gonna watch. You were gonna watch Brave live. Okay. And 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 I know you said you didn't like the makeup stuff and 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 whatnot. But like, like did that change your perspective at all of of uh, of the album? Uh, so, so this is the thing. Um, I've been going on YouTube a lot and just, you know, uh, listening to albums and, and enjoying myself uh, because basically since the move, all my CDs have been in the attic. <laughs> so I don't think. <laughs> but I was doing that. I mean, it's great. Like YouTube, I, I, like with my setup now, I have these giant speakers, and now I, I can listen to any CD uh, on YouTube, and boom, it's like on. It, it sounds great. You know, I might have to watch a commercial or something in the beginning. But, um, so, but, Paul, to, to, to get to your question, I, uh, when it comes to Brave, their, the live concert in Montreal, um, they didn't do the whole concert, it, it, like, from start to finish. They have it in pieces. Uh, they have, okay, Made Again and Heart is Love, and then, you know, you're each section, each, okay. each song. Um, so I did my best to watch everything, um, and uh, of the Montreal concert. It, it, it was good because it kind of kept me awake because I had to actually get up and actually click the button to get to the next song. Um, so, I, but I, listen, you know, even I know you guys don't like "Heart Is Love." I I love that live. I was like, oh, this is a, this is a rocking version. Uh, so I, I really do. Yeah. I'm you know I'm, I'm not just gonna, uh huh. Yeah, no. I that's that's awesome, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you uh, so you know, I'm never gonna um, like Brave as much as you guys, um, just because of the, and it's not just sheer technical dynamics. I think it's just um, what I allude to when I when I uh, in the past when I've talked to Brave is I don't think the dynamics are motivated musically. Um, I, I think they were getting off so much on, on being dramatic and, and doing the concept album and just kind of doing whatever. Um, I, I just don't feel it flows from start to finish, but the good news is one of our favorite bands finally got it. And I think 
if you listen to Marbles, um, it, it just has that flow. And again, I'm not talking about technical dynamics again or just sheer volume. Um, I'm talking about um, tasteful uh, things that are, are, are motivated. Okay, why are we getting softer here? Okay, why are we getting heavy here? Are you angry or are you frustrated or what? I mean, there's just like, I just don't see, feel but, you guys feel but, it. So. Yeah, see, and, and I don't get that with Brave because I think, I think the dynamics are driven by the story. And again, I'll go back to the Great Escape, where you go through sort of the different phases of of the summary of how she wound up on that bridge and what was going to happen. And I, I don't remember because all my notes are downstairs for this one. But but you know, there again, the you know the it starts out with the sort of you know except you know it, it's it's like oh, you people just don't get it. Okay, my life sucks. You don't get it. And then it's sort of like the angry part, and then it's the acceptance of, you know what, i got to jump off this bridge. And to me, you know, the, the, the dynamic flow through that section is, is super powerful. Now, there are some, some parts, I think, earlier in the album, like, you know, and again, I, I, I get Heart as Love, I like Heart as Love, I like it more than Paper Lies, but... And, and I think the whole section of, with Wave and all that other business, the Opium Den, it, it's a little, it, it lacks focus, I think. Mm-hmm. But again, I think live they were able to sort of translate that better, so. Right. Uh, but I, I Paul, uh, I, I, I agree. Paul, getting back to what you said, I, um, you guys brought it up, um, in, in a way last week that I, I still want to see the entire Montreal concert. And I think that, um, some of the, the deficit that I'm hearing, you know, with the studio album, uh, I'm still, I, I still want to take it in from start to finish for, in one sitting. Um, so it's still sort of on my, on my list to do, but I did watch all the songs just in, in pieces. They were weren't always in order and whatnot. Obviously, when you watch a concept album, you want to be in order. So it sort of defer, it sort of defeats the purpose. But anyway, um, you know, I, and, I did, and it was I, it was the Montreal show, Tom. It was it, it was uh, um, I I'm ninety percent sure all of all of it was in the Montreal show. Yeah, I, I would be interested to go look at that because again, the the recording that was released from Holland, you know it. It doesn't always match up with what I remember experiencing in Montreal, and you know I don't know what causes that. If it was truly a different performance, or there was something about being in the room that night, I don't know. Well, you know what I, I really appreciated, and I again I don't want to sound like a, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but um, one of the I actually can it may have been the first time we were talking. We were talking about like butt steak moments, and then we were I was talking about. Um, how I really love. Uh, <laughs> Didn't think I'd hear that term thrown out. In progressive sorry, you gotta, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so we were talking about. Um, <laughs> we're talking, I was talking that's about like how secret, I really love. It's like secret uh, society stuff, isn't it? Okay. Sorry, I keep forgetting. We're you know whatever. So I, I kept. Um, I, I mentioned I really liked Promised Land, the 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 Queensrÿche show back in the nineties, and that um, it was an interactive <laughs> show. And it was, oh. I, you're laughing. I can't believe you're laughing. 
it's a, I love it, it Promised was a Land. Real interactive show. They actually had uh, people acting out the parts and whatnot. That's the one where they had all the ears on on the stage. No, that wasn't the ears. That wasn't the ears. <laughs> um, but it was. It was literally. Um, they would come out like a, a, an actual musical, and they have like acts, and the grips would come out, and they came out with like tables and chairs and. And Jeff Tate would act out the part and whatever, and I I, I found it to be remarkable. Um, now, that was when yeah. that was when Queensrÿche was like in their Kilroy was here phase. Okay, I think. Fair enough, fair enough. But what I, what I'm getting at is, um, there was a part of Brave where um, Hogarth sort of freaks out and he has some people like rip him off the stage, like kind of he's in, in a straight jacket and he. And he um, and he's sort of like freaking out, and they and they they drag him off. Um, you know, I love that stuff. It seemed that was motivated to me, and I was like, okay, this is this is um, this is another element to the album with a, with a live show that we can really enjoy. And he was acting out a part, and um, so yeah, I love that stuff. I'm a, I'm a total sucker for that stuff, and uh, so. Yeah. Um, that I I really I really appreciate. So I gotta look at the time here. What what time do you guys have? <laughs> uh, it's uh, I've got minutes to I've the got, hour. I've got, uh, yeah, I've got eight o'clock for you, Tom. Uh, I, I'm supposed to, my daughter. Paid, I think but, this should right. just be a, a separate episode altogether. It's just Tom. Tom <laughs> um, ranting. Listen, I apologize. <laughs> listen, I gotta Sweet. apologize to you guys because I know that we're supposed to be recording all this. And how ridiculous is, is it that somebody like okay. shows up out of nowhere and just like rambles on for fifteen minutes and then disappears? So I don't know if this is actually going to work for you, but I wanted to give it a shot. <laughs> um, uh, I like also, it. You know, well, uh, maybe maybe, maybe what we can do is we can we can we can cut it off and tape it to the back of the uh, Brave episode. Sweet shirt, by the way, Tom. Love it. That's a good oh, idea. Thanks, 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 but, Tom. It's 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 perfectly fine. Um, you know, I'm sure this isn't the first time in this whole set of discussions that you know where you'll be totally wrong. Um, <laughs> it's not the last time, I guess I should say. So, right. hey, listen, hold that thought. I'm going to try to um, get like five minutes out of this. Um, I'm going to try to uh, hold her off for like five minutes. Just hold on for one second. I'm listening to Out of Mind. Should be good. From Queensryche's Promised Land. Well, 9.30. And 9:30, it's, 9:30. it's got the most incredible snare sound. It's an unbelievable. You guys aren't going to believe this. My, my daughter just called and said that she's not going to be ready at 8, so I can actually hang out the rest of this time. Yes. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's, uh, if that's the case, and, and since Tom's done his homework, let's, let's talk about Afraid of Sunlight, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, you know, again, our little our little preamble here. This is uh, 1995. And so it came, you know, on the heels of Brave, produced by Dave Megan and Marillion. And Paul, do I remember correctly? Dave Megan was was a, an engineer on Fugazi. Is that right? I believe that is correct. Wow. Who knew? Um, same lineup, um, and if we read the little Wikipedia blurb, 
Afraid of Sunlight is the eighth studio album by the British neo-progressive rock band Marillion, released in 1995. Recorded at the Racket Club in Buckinghamshire between January and March 1995, it was produced by the band themselves and co-produced by Dave Megan, as was the previous album, Brave. Despite being one of Marillion's most critically acclaimed albums, Afraid of Sunlight was their first to fail to reach the top 10 in the UK albums chart, peaking at number 16 and falling out of the top 40 after just two weeks. Disappointing sales led to EMI Records not extending the contract with the band. The label, however, would continue to release back catalog material on compilations and reissues, as well as distribute some later recordings. So that kind of sets our stage. And Tom, you had made you had made the point earlier in your rant that you know this was this was the first album where we had, as as I believe Ken coined the term, Hogmar sort of you know matured, if you will. You know, I always and I always like to sort of put these four first four Hogarth albums and line them up next to the four Fish albums because there's there's a certain symmetry about them. And, you know, the, the first two are immature in certain ways and they're, they're related in certain ways. The third one is the full-blown concept album. The fourth one is sort of the, the fruition, if you will, of, of the creative energy of, of whatever the particular band was at the time manifesting in the semi-concept album. So when you when you stack them up like that, you know, like I said, there are some certain interesting parallels um, as, as I like to think about them. And the interesting thing that, that strikes me about Afraid of Sunlight, and, and it's weird, and I see your point, Tom, in terms of, of probably the songwriting and the, and the way that they, they would write songs over the next what, 20 years or, or whatever. But at the same time, Afraid of Sunlight sounds just different. It, it, it just sounds dramatically different from anything they've done and really anything they did afterwards. I mean, from, from just a, a tonal perspective, it's totally out of left field. And that being said, it, the funny thing about that is, because it, it could be gimmicky, if, if you think about some of the things they did, because it wasn't that when, when Rothery started monkeying around with the Steinberger and it, you got that real sort of tinny guitar sound and you got what I'll call the uh, sort of the hip-hop keyboard squealing sounds and all that kind of going on. It could be really gimmicky, but I still just love this album. When I, when I put it in... For this, you know, for the first time for this 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 episode, it was it was just like instant. Yeah, this is awesome, and it, you know, I was I guess I was a little surprised how much I still reacted to it, and it doesn't sound goofy or gimmicky at all to me. I recognize that it's vastly different, but it it's not it's not annoying in any way, shape, or form. Do you, are are you saying that? Um uh, because I, I forget the name of the song, but the the Beach Boy song, that one stands out um, as being much different than the rest of the album. I, I love the song, but it's a very different um, 
No, I think I think almost everything about it, like the the guitars, to me, just sound totally different. The keyboards sound completely different in terms of of the sounds that they use versus anything else. I am I like off the charts on this one. I, I don't uh, think you so. could be referring to the uh, surfer organ sound and Cannibal Surf, it, it, babe. It, it's not. No, it's it's so much more than Cannibal Surf, babe. Yeah. It, no, it, Joe, I, think, I think I think I'm with you. I, you know, I think when we when we we talked about the arc of like Rothery and his guitar sound and the way he does, like he's still playing a lot of the same things. Like you know, the thing I always loved about him is you can sing along to his. You know, he you can sing the guitar part through the whole song and. Right. You know, I think in, in songs like Gaspacho and Beautiful, um, you still have that 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 ability. But I think you're right. Sonically, it's it's very different. Like you know, the the, the guitar sound in Gaspacho, if you you could you could listen to that song and easily not know that it's a Marillion song. Unlike um, I think like King and Beyond You are a little bit more reminiscent of you know the 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 Marillion sound that that we, we know and love. So I, I definitely think like even afraid of sunlight, like with that piano, it's just different. It's just different than I think what we've, what we've had up to this point. Yeah. And let's, let's give, <laughs> let's give Hogarth some credit right now for rhyming the word gazpacho in a song. Okay. What, who does that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, like it's like a sting moment for me because like, you know, because he's rhyming the word gazpacho with the word macho, which is pretty, like, just onto it itself is a little strange, you know? Like, did you carry oh, out it, those threats I heard, or were you only playing macho? And was the stain on her Versace skirt, uh, scarf, was it really just gazpacho? Like, I don't know, there could have been someone in the booth there saying, yo, dude, you think you should rethink those lines, maybe? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure he said, no, this is this is perfect. I did I did think and it was very cool when it first came out. Gaspacho was one of my favorite songs, although I do believe that Gaspacho is responsible for blowing out the speakers in my Ford Escort because well, of the continuing mastering problems with with these albums and <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and honestly, you know, it, it's it's funny because I guess for me, Gaspacho really really sets the table, and there's so much about that that I love, and um, you know, just I, I I like the way the song is written. I like the way the song sounds. I think the lyrics, for the most part, are spectacular. Um, and then there's there's that sort of you know I I love the term sonic fart, which is the first of of the mastering issues that shows up right in the middle of that. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm trying to find, because I had actually, I had noted down those words. Um, yeah. That I, that I love there. You can, uh, you can uh, tell it to the ocean, I think is the yeah, word. Exactly, yeah. Now the ring is just a band of gold and your wife needs police protection. While you're sparring with the journalists, you try to win back her affection. Is this what it means to be a man boxing up all your emotions? Now she's gone. You're alone at last. You can tell it to the ocean. Blow out your speakers. You know exactly. Right there. <laughs> Boom. Yes. Really? But, but, okay. I never experienced that. Really? 
Because it, it oh builds, my. you can you can tell it to the ocean. There's a big buildup, and when it builds up, it it, it it like the the low frequencies like shoot through. Like it must be like a hundred dB more, and all of a sudden, like everything blows out. <laughs> you know what, guys? You know what? I so I listened to this thing on on YouTube uh, a, a few days ago. I listened to what was built as what was built as a uh, remastered version. And I didn't have any problems. So maybe they um, learned from their mistakes, and actually, they actually really remastered some of the stuff. So there was yeah, um, I, a problem. I was surprised at, at how much you know. As we've gone through this, how you know it's 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 funny. Like you listen to these albums. I remember loving this album so much when it came out, and listening to it, and blowing out my speakers to it. And I, you know, I listened to it one one go round and i was like okay that's good like move on like it just didn't it, i was surprised at how unimpacted i was by by listening to this really it, 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 it was really shocking to me but i will Even i will say this when we got to these four albums i listened to seasons end holidays in eden and then this because i knew once i started listening to brave i would not listen to anything else for a while um but I just, I just, I was surprised at how unaffected I was by it. Huh. Mm. And that's, that's yeah. like the exact opposite of me, who, yeah. you know, I was almost, I, I, I was, I, I, I can't say this. I was less overwhelmed with Brave than I was with this. But, you know, I, I don't know. That's not to take anything away from Brave. Um, like I said, I guess I hadn't listened to this in a really long time. I've listened to Brave, you know, repeatedly, much like Tom with Clutching at Straws. It's pretty much always going to pop up in my rotation, you know, at some point or another. And But for whatever reason, a lot of, you know, from here through Marvels just just didn't. And I was I was surprised um, when when I came back to this. So, so looking at that, you know, Gaspacho, I think is is fantastic, um, minus the sonic issues, and and I, you know, if they actually did fix some of that, maybe I need to go and buy the remastered versions or just use them on Spotify or whatever, because um, that would be kind of nice to be able to listen to that without destroying speakers. Cannibal Surf, babe, you know, I, whatever, I, it's okay. It doesn't, it doesn't really, it's silly but it's not annoying and of course beautiful is just well it's almost perfect there's just something about that song that that resonates with me but and, and it's funny so when when this album came out you know i was all about um afraid of sunlight the song um and i loved afraid of sunrise you know because it was sort of related and honestly, I paid zero attention to Out of This World. I, for the longest time, I viewed that as sort of one of these, you know, spacey Marillion Bridge sections, you know, bridging from, you know, just traveling from sunrise to, to sunlight. You know, well, here, we'll just noodle around for a little bit. And it wasn't until the Montreal show where they, Out of This World was the only song they performed from this from this album and i was like why are they doing that and they had this spectacular video yeah. and i was like what the heck 
And so, you know, at that point, I was like, whoa, this song actually, you know, has some legs on its own. I had no idea. And so as we were getting ready for this, I went and started looking into, you know, the, the subject of that. And, and that particular song is about this guy, um, what was his name? Donald Campbell, who, mm. you know, he was, he was... He was killed trying to set the water speed record. And that was actually the video that they showed during the concert. And, you know, it, so I, you know, I read a little bit about, uh-oh, where'd Paul go? It's okay. Okay. I'll, I'll be uh, back. I'm still here. So I read a little bit about that and, um, you know, I actually went and I watched a BBC a documentary on him and, and it was it was fascinating and it, and it fits in with the whole sort of semi-concept of afraid of sunlight which is dealing with you know the various aspects of celebrity and 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 how that manifests itself so this guy donald campbell long story short which is kind of late his father had set water and land speed records you know back in like the 20s or 30s or something like that and, you know, his father was a big deal. And I guess, you know, there was some sort of strained father-son relationship. And this guy, Donald, wanted to sort of, you know, prove himself, if you will, to his father's legacy. And so he started trying to do these things himself. And, you know, some things didn't, you know, work out nearly as, as he would have liked. And he was basically, you know, he had this, this boat that he had built years before. And it was designed to go like 250 miles an hour on the water. And he needed he needed to generate some press for himself. He needed to get some money to, to do some other things. So he was going to try to take this boat and break the 300-mile-an-hour record, which is the first line in the song. You know, the very first line is 300 miles an hour. And so that's what he was trying to do when, you know, his, his boat launched out of the water and he was killed. You know, that's that's crazy. And as I went started going through the lyrics for this, it was fascinating because I think, and I, you know, I don't really know. There, there, there. It appears to be three different sections in the song. The first section is about, you know, Donald himself and what he's trying to do. The second section has to do with, you know, the what his wife goes through every time he goes out to do this. And I think the third part actually has to do with there was there was a guy in this documentary who was an American who was also you know trying to break a lot of these same speed records and actually he had set the land speed record and blew this this uh, this Donald Campbell out of the water but they actually became somewhat friends and there's there's a section in in the song where it's it, it seems to me like it's talking about these two guys understand things that other people don't because they're both out there risking their lives trying to do this. And, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, a lot of, of what we see here in, in the, this album and the next four albums, and Tom, this goes to your point, these are almost like sketches that are turned into a masterpiece in Marvel's. Because in a lot of ways, you know, if if you can look at Splintering Heart leading to Invisible Man in certain ways, this 
out of the world leads, I think, directly into Ocean Cloud, um, a very similar type of story. And, and you know, I think we're going to see a lot of these sort of, of, of threads that can go through to where they get to, uh, to Marvels. So I just, I thought that was fascinating. Like I said, I had never, ever considered that song in and of itself. But, you know, it, it's now it's it's one of the most compelling ones on the record for me. It's it's interesting. They actually have, a, by the way, that um, that video on on YouTube when you play that song. That actually, Do they really? That that actual video plays. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's 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 amazing stuff. Um, on the on the remastered version, it plays. <laughs> on of course on the remastered version, and um, yeah, so you know. And, and I, I still, I still think Afraid of Sunlight is great, um, and and Beyond You and and Kings never really bothered me. I remember, you know, Paul, you and I have talked about this a lot, and and King never really worked for you at all. I don't think. Yeah. But you know. So so Ken, what about you? I mean. Well, I, I'm obliged. Yeah, I'm 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 obliged to enter the Afraid of Sunlight discussion. From the rental car with, uh, you know, uh, the full story is that I was fortunate, very fortunate uh, to have uh, an event for work in California around the same time that you guys were planning to meet up in Las Vegas. And it was uh, a stretch. We pulled it off. Uh, <laughs> and the only... The, the, it, it was absolutely wonderful, and um, uh, it, it, it just it just uh, got better from there. Uh, you know, because my, my my colleague from work, Wally, volunteered to come along. So not only did 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 we uh, meet up and have a little reunion, uh, we just had a a very illuminating and and funny interaction with with you know revealing ourselves our friendship and our bond and our music to an outsider it was it was uh it was it was great i think for all of us and then he did he did come around you know uh <laughs> in some of the you know more obscure ways i'm I, you know I'm, I'm sure he he didn't become a diehard marillion fan uh but 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 luckily i did you know so um many many discoveries on that trip uh you know just just life discoveries career discoveries and then as it were um really um i gotta say that out of this world um is almost part of afraid of sunlight for me personally so uh, i was thrilled that when we were at the tla the second time in philly we got to hear uh afraid of sunlight um, and as happy as I am when it starts, I'm missing that feeling f from out of this world. The two just segue so well together. Um, I have the lyrics up now. Um, is it only to go where nobody has gone a better way than the herd? Sing a different song till you're running on the ledge to the gasp from the crowd spinning round in your head everything that she said and there's that little space there and we're a bit tied up in knots and the beginning 
of AOS is soothing. And it's got a little bit of that, you know, sing-songiness that, that reels me in with Marillion. Um, so uh, I, I just connect the two. It's very strong for me. And that's where, you know, Paul and Joe, you, you both, you know, insisted that I listen to this. And Tom, were you in the car too, or did you meet up with us only in uh, L.A.? I'm trying to remember how that all panned out. Uh, oh, this was on the way back. You guys, was it? Was that the deal? I, I forget. I, I, I think I th there was a. I think we were all um, driving on the way back, and we were in traffic. And then we go. We made a bet to see if we could. This other route was going to be quicker or something. And you I still owe me that, Mister. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Was that was that the same time? So we were there twice. Yeah, it, it was because I remember that must have been the year that I drove out to L.A. Because I had I remember I had my duffel bag full of CDs on my lap, and as we're stuck mm -hmm. in traffic, I'm just cycling through. And one of the things that came out on that was um, oh god, is that when I was uh, broke the the speakers listening to tapehead. I don't know about yeah, that. May have been that may that may have been the trip. No, I think you got tapehead when we were there by ourselves. But that was the that was the trip on the way back where I pulled out. I forget whichever Sting album it is, but it has um, filler up. Paul, you you know the the countryish one. Yeah, Mercury Mercury I, Falling or something like that. Mercury Falling. I put we put that song on, and you Tom just about lost your cookies. In the car, we couldn't even finish the song. It was very, very funny. But, but yeah, I had so I had. <laughs> was it lost it in a good way or a bad way? It was a bad way. You, you Pretty were sure it was a bad way. Apoplectic with with rage that we would even contemplate listening to such a pile of garbage. But we'll get to that later. Okay, I I, <laughs> I don't I don't remember that. Oh heavens! But, uh, so right, I right. never realized, and I, <laughs> so, I I don't think I. I I, I appreciated the fact that that was your introduction to Marillion. Oh, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, I was on board with with, with Joe's mixtapes, and and Marillion made appearances there. So I had um, digested uh, misplaced childhood, a great deal of that. Um, most most of the good fish singles. Um, and I, I was, you know, somewhat on board. Um, you know, I mean, keep in mind, uh, wow, I was playing pseudo-jazz and fusion and by that point, even teaching the group. So I, I just, you know, I, I wasn't going to prog shows for sure. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, um, when it finally hit me, it, it, it hit me big. So we're in the car. You play cool. the entire album. It's a really long drive. And it was just background music to me. And I think so there was a brave. lot of encouragement from your direction in the beginning. Uh, I, I think... I think I, I don't recall you guys hitting with, with other albums. I just remember... Afraid well, of I was Sunlight. just saying that because Brave sounds like a, like a background... Like the whole thing. <laughs> well, well, well. In Joe's defense, he admitted that the uh, production was just too ambient. I mean, it's just 
far too much in the way of uh, slapbacks and echoes and chamber and whatever else. Um, uh, so, 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 so we, we did cover that. Uh, what was that? Two or three weeks ago. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brave would be a much better album without all that. And, and, and was Afraid of Sunlight the first recording in Racket Club? I think it may have been. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Because I mean, because it's Brave amazing. Right, in, yep. in, in that castle. Yeah. Right. So yep. it's amazing they pulled this off to sound as good as it does. And, and anything that I hear live, um, probably a half hour ago, you guys were talking about, you know, what, what influences the band in terms of dynamics and what influences the band in terms of production. And I think the live shows are a huge impact. And, and the reason that they have, um, you know, some of these diversions and some of these, uh, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, Brave being ridiculously ambient could be the result of, you know, you know how they experience their music live. Or, or um, you know, even just like we made fun of like Cover My Eyes. But having heard that live, I kind of love it. And, and I think they, they, they make these weird decisions based on, you know, live shows because they're not just playing in the dark of night. They're playing outdoor arenas sometimes or playing the, the festivals or playing in Amsterdam yeah. and, and Montreal. And they like to mix it up and take chances. And, and, and the more that they can, you know, take chances live and the more that they can provide variety live, they sustain, you know, these different venues and these different moods you know so uh uh, uh i th this process of doing the the discussions and the recordings uh allowed me to enjoy things i didn't previously uh enjoy and it allowed me to really dig in my heels on the things that i love particularly um uh, i think cannibal surf babe is is amazing the whole walked across the coals, that whole section. There's so much sonic pleasure that. in that too. That's yeah, great. it's really, really good. I give I give it way more credit than you do, Joe. And then I, I, I mentioned Out of This World and AOS will always be uh, something that I just play on guitar, or piano, just just to hear just to hear those chords over and over again in my head. It's a mantra to me. I just love it. And um, I came around with. Um, king at some point i started to accept that um and it's funny because uh, i'm sorry what's the one after um afraid of sunlight beyond you oh yeah 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 um uh it it, it it's kind of got a neat little place in my heart it, it, it's corny it's got the phil specter pseudo chamber going on there um but 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 you know the Hogarth melody gets me there, and then I can take or leave King at the end. But 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 the album, I got to dig in my heels and just say it's just amazing, amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you, you know, you, Ken, listening I, to you talk about certain things, like I, I, there's something about Cannibal Surf Babe that I've always loved. It, I mean. Even this go around listening to it, and like I said, this did, didn't really affect me as well. Like, and it, it started, and I was kind of like, "Oh, geez, this song." And yet, 
you know but like <laughs> within like a minute i was like oh i love i was like i love i totally love this song like it, it's it's so great and and um and you know i've you know, we've talked about some of these songs and you know some of their stuff is just so like from a from a mental mental state like listening to all of these songs i mean it's it's heavy stuff right and and i think you know you start to collect these these lighter type songs um cannibal surf babe i think is one of them and i've enjoyed that song live before and it's it's almost i don't want to say it's comic relief but it it serves almost the same purpose that you know the comic relief does in in drama is that you know you have all of these dramatic and really heavy pieces and then you get something like cannibal surf babe or cover my eyes or i would even say incommunicado and you know they're just they're just a lighter serving of of great stuff and like you say sometimes it's a little experimental and it and it um in a different way than we would think and it really kind of lightens up the mood and it kind of resets you for the next the next piece that comes so i love it i i think the great thing about yeah. cannibal Surf babe is that it's it's out there and it's eclectic, but it, it's still, um, it, it's not so far out um, that, that you can't enjoy it as, as a song. Um, it's it sort of um, goes beyond their sort of Merlian bounds, but um, it doesn't do it in a, like, an annoying sort of self-indulgent way. It really still has a, uh, a really nice, you know, chorus, and it actually is a, is a, is a fun and intelligent song, even though it's a, it's a lighter, uh, more more lighthearted. It's actually a uh, uh, pretty pretty um, thought, thoughtful song, and uh, yeah, still, yeah. it still has that Merlian stamp on it. Yeah, plus the keyboards in that one part go. Love it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a fer- it could be a theremin. I mean, I'm sure that they. Spared no expense, and they paid the Probably, extra hundred dollars right. to wire up the ceremony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, I I think, like I said, I I I'm going to go back to the parallel with with Fish Marillion at this point, and you know, I because I think after this album. It's almost like they realized they were in uncharted territory and they could do whatever they wanted to do. You know, they had kind of settled in with Hogarth. They understood, I think, sort of the dynamics of of how to to write together what they could do, what was possible. They had sort of, you know, moved further than they had with Fish and they they could do what they wanted to. And, you know, I... I'm not going to say getting dropped by EMI was turned out to be a really good thing um, because they're, we will get to that in just a minute. Um, You know, but, but I I do think there was a certain amount of, of freedom in what they were doing, you know, in this next, in this next section. But I think it's spectacular that they were able to sort of complete that, that parallel bookend in such a strong way. I, I just, I, I really do think Afraid of Sunlight is, is really cool. Well, so, Joe, listen, you've 
touched upon this twice now, so I gotta, I gotta, I gotta bring this up. Um, I don't know if you want to do it sooner or later, or if you would even want to do it at all. <laughs> but, listen, I, I listened to you know Internal Exile recently, and that is one hell of an album. Uh, and I, I'm obviously absolutely, but I mean it is. Um, you know, we sort of joke around about my love of fish, but I mean that is a really, really good album, and I I, I would love um, to parallel just as you brought up. You really at the beginning of this conversation, you 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 really hit it on the head. Um, there are some parallels to the first four albums on on both sides. Um, you know, can't really get into them all now, but. Um, just to give you one, um, I think Internal Exile and, and Seasons are uh, the best, more, two of the more solid records, records, CDs, whatever, um, of the four. And I think because they were really trying to, um, you know, put their best foot forward, there was like a, a leap for, for each of them. They were out on their own. Um, and they still kind of had their sound, um, but uh, I uh, there's always been a, a place in my heart for for seasons just as a standalone Merlion record, um, and I know that you know Eternal Exile is I think it may take it takes a little bit more chances, but it actually is just a phenomenal record. And oh, I, I agree. Um, I would I would love to talk about some of those because um, you know I sort of. Much like Marillion, I kind of skipped around. Um, there were a couple of those first few Fish albums that I missed after Internal Exile, but um, of course, Sunset and Empire is still literally in my top, you know, five albums of all time. Um, I, I, that's just an absolute incredible uh, CD. But um, I, I uh, yeah, that that mm-hmm. that that's interesting, Tom, because as you're talking about this. And I don't know how closely they do line up, but but you had Fish had Vigil in the Wilderness of Mirrors, Internal Exile. Um, was there one before or between Internal Exile and Sunset? Sun I Empire? thought Internal Exile was his first one, wasn't it? Nope, number oh, two. Yeah. What was it? What was the first one? Vigil in a Wilderness of Mirrors. Oh, I thought that was the second one. All right, okay. Nope. No, oh, that came that, first, that, then that internal. Totally, all right, well, that totally screws up my whole theory then. <laughs> but, 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 but not necessarily because, you know, I think it might be interesting, and, and we can definitely, you know, I'll do a little research. We can go back and look at this, you know, because I've drawn the parallels between the first four Fish and, and Hogarth albums, but the first four Fish solo records versus the first four Hogarth Marillion records, which would have come out literally, you know, probably very close to each other in terms of time. That's something I think that might be interesting to sort of look at and, and investigate how that went went together. Yeah, I think that's very cool. I would, I would, I would, I would love that. Um, and, and there's still... Bonus episode. Yeah. There's still a couple of fish CDs that have fallen through the cracks. 
um, that I still have to listen to. Much like yeah. the Merlin's last two CDs, I haven't heard. We talked about that too. I haven't. <laughs> I, I still want to listen to those. But um, so. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Progressive Palaver. We hope uh, you're enjoying the journey. We are certainly enjoying sharing our thoughts um, on these fantastic albums with you. We are available on both iTunes and Google Play. And we have uh, you know, all the, uh, the various social media that, that you need in order to follow us and or get in touch with us. We have Instagram at Progressive Palaver. We have a Facebook page also at Progressive Palaver. And we have an email account at progpala. That's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A at gmail.com. So we certainly welcome any any thoughts, um, comments that you might have. If you agree with what we said, if you think we're totally off our rocker, please reach out and let us know. And uh, that will sort of keep the conversation going and make it, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more interesting. And uh, so we look forward to seeing you next time on Progressive Palaver when we will be discussing the next set of Marillion albums. <laughs>